Church this morning. Will you help me celebrate the wonderful gift of Vanessa Mitchell one more time? God bless you. Wonderful, wonderful change. I want to read a familiar passage into your hearing today. It's a familiar passage, but God is able to draw new water even from old wells. I want to invite your attention to the Old Testament record, the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 22. I want to read verses 1, 2, and uh, verse 13 on today. It's Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 and 2, and then verse 13. It's on the screen to your left and right as well. The word of God says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And then verse 13, And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and looked, and behold, behind him, a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. May the Lord bless the reading, hearing of his word. I want to talk with you for a few minutes today on this thought. It's coming up on the other side. It's coming up on the other side. Let me begin by saying that all of us will inevitably have some seasons of struggle and testing. It is said that no tall tree can stand long without having had some winds blowing against it in its development. It's in the facing of the winds that resiliency is built up in the tree. And in spite of our dislike for winds of adversity in our lives, I discovered God has purpose even in your afflictions. Yes, yes. I believe that's what the Apostle Paul is speaking of in 2 Corinthians 4 and 17 when he says that our light affliction is but for a moment. Mm. Yeah. But then listen to what he says. He says it has purpose, though. He says it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Uh, that's another way of saying your trouble won't last always. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever you're going through, somebody ought to be encouraged to know this too shall pass. Yeah. Uh, perhaps you've even noticed that in the wintry seasons, uh, when uh, the forest uh, silently refurbishes its strength, preparing for its next season of fruitfulness, that when the frost hits the trees, uh -huh. the sap and substance within the branches they literally retreat and go back underground. But they go back underground not for good, but just for a season. Then when the new season comes, when spring finally comes in, it will then push its way back up and into the budding of a new experience. 
So often in life, God will use what seems to you to be a dormant season with setbacks just to create some new opportunities for fresh commitment and renewal in your life. Mm -hmm. You do know God is a God of order. Uh, that means he has plans. He even operates by appointment. He already has a set predetermined appointment to bring to pass his promises in your life. Well. That really ought to be encouraging to someone in here today uh, because an appointment means a meeting has already been set up uh -huh. with your favor on the agenda. Yeah. Yeah. And so be encouraged today to know that whenever the chilly winds of struggle and testing are blowing in your life, God already has prepared a way for your escape. Uh, matter of fact, there, there's some stuff you've been struggling with even this past week. I don't know who this message is for, but you can really go ahead and claim victory over that thing today. The Lord sent me to tell you it's already behind you right now. Uh, touch somebody, tell them it's coming up on the other side. Can I preach just a little while? I promise I'll be out of your way. Well, listen, this is what one of the central characters in the text today discovers, Abraham. Y'all know Abraham? Uh, Abraham, who was originally known as Abram, uh, surely beyond a shadow of a doubt, one of the most prominent figures uh, found throughout the pages of the biblical writ. He's known best for his faith in God. Genesis 15, verse 6 says, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. Even the Apostle Paul refers to Abraham and his faithfulness uh, in Romans. Romans 4 and 11, where he calls him the father of all who believe. The pages of the Bible are filled with instances, accounts, and testimonies of what many would consider to be tests that Abraham had to face. And, and perhaps his response to those tests are reasons why his faith is so highly regarded. However, I must submit to us today that uh, if you would consider uh, many of the episodes in the life of Abraham as tests, then you would have to also come to the conclusion that for every test that he passed, there were perhaps just as many instances where his faith faltered and he failed. Yes. Uh, if yes. you would consider him, for instance, to have passed the test, there's the echo in this system, if you would consider him to have passed the test when he stepped out on faith, left his homeland and left his relatives to go off into the land of Canaan, then you probably would have to consider that he failed the test when he moved from Canaan to go to Egypt and told Pharaoh and his men that Sarah was his sister instead of his wife. If you would consider him to have passed the test when he believed God for a promised son, even when he was in upper age, then you would probably say that he failed the test uh -huh. when he allowed Sarah to convince him to have a child with Hagar, mm. thinking perhaps God's promise would be fulfilled through Hagar instead of through Sarah as God has promised him. Mm. If you would consider Abraham to have passed the test when he uh, was strong enough to forgive Lot, and then turned around and rescued Lot despite Lot's greediness and disrespectfulness in the past, then you probably would have to consider that Abraham failed the test when even at the age of 99, he moved, he moved to Gerar to live and ended up lying again about Sarah. 
and stating to King Abimelech that Sarah was his sister instead of his wife, just like he lied to Pharaoh back in Egypt. In other words, he even failed the do-over test. And, and so if one wanted to call uh, Abraham's episodes tests, uh, yeah, you could argue he passed many, but I declare he failed just as many as he passed. Uh, but the point uh, that all of his testing proves is that despite his faults, flaws, and failures, because of his faith, God still blessed him with favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe I'm talking too fast. Uh, the point, all that stuff I've been talking about, uh, it, it demonstrates that despite his false flaws and failures, mm -hmm. yet still because of his faith, yeah. God still blessed him with favor. Yeah. Yeah. That really ought to be good news. I don't know why you're not happy yeah. about yeah. that, because uh, I know I'm not the only one in here who's, who has failed some tests. Yeah. I'm not the only one in here who's made some mistakes and have some regrets, but I can thank God today that although I've fallen and have come short of his glory... That my faults, my flaws, and my failures can never be so fatal that my faith cannot obtain his favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Abraham was a man of many failures. But listen, yet because of God's favor, with uh, even with Abraham's faults, he's now known as the father of the faithful. Yeah. That's really good news this morning. Just know that although you've come short here and there, uh, God has fixed it so you don't have to get a failing grade for the class yeah. just because you had some failures on tests during the semester. Right. Uh, right. Uh, God loves you so much, he gave his only begotten son. Uh, not that whosoever is perfect, uh, not that whosoever never fails, but the Bible says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So even when we fall, we're not graded on the curve, we're graded on the cross. Yes. And the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for the faithful, it covers all our failures. Songwriter said it will never, never lose its power. As a matter of fact, they tell me it reaches, reaches to the highest mountain. I'm talking about the blood of Jesus that covers your faults, your flaws, and your failures, and then it flows. Come on, ask me where it flows. I'm dying to tell you. But, but since you asked me, it flows to the lowest valley. Did anybody know anything about the blood? It's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. And I'm glad it will never lose its power. Can you help me preach? Turn to somebody and tell them the blood still works. You turn to the wrong person. Turn to somebody up. Tell them I know the blood still works. How do you know it works, Pastor? Because it saved me. Yeah. And how do you know it works? Because it raised me. Yeah. The blood still works. Yeah. Yeah. So the Bible reads in the English translation, verse 1 of our text today, Genesis 22, that God did tempt Abraham. Now, uh, God, understand, uh, does not tempt Abraham in the sense that modern culture views tempting. We normally think of tempt as a solicitation for evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I don't subscribe to the King James Version translation on this verse. Matter of fact, James, the biological brother of Jesus, one of his biological brothers, himself says in James 1.13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. 
He says, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. And so the proper translation of that Hebrew word, Nassau, is not tempt, but is really to prove. And, and so tempt carries the connotation of an attempt to pollute or weaken, but prove means to purify and strengthen. And so we understand in the Hebrew context, God proves and purifies Abraham. You know, geologists uh, say that diamonds are formed uh, some 100 miles below the surface of the earth and that every 100 tons of mud produces one carat of a diamond. When that diamond is extracted from the earth out of that uh, mud and miry coal, the impurities surrounding the diamond have to be cleaned off and the diamond has to go through what you call a proving process. And just in case uh, you were wondering why you had to go through some of the stuff you've had to go through of late, uh, you've got to know God has not been tempting you with it. God's just been proving you with it. The enemy will try to use temptation to bring out the worst in you, but God will use proving to bring out the best in you. Uh, listen, I'm trying to preach it, but I'm glad to know he saw the best. Uh, oh, he saw the best in you when everyone else around you could only see the worst in you. God still sees the best. And he wouldn't have been wasting his time proving you unless he knew there was some value within you. And so if you've been going through a proving process, just know there's a reason for that season. And it's all because you've got value in the eyes of the master jeweler. You see, if you've never been afflicted, you really would never know what your value really is. And when you don't know your value, you got to take somebody else's word for it. But it's only after you've been through some trying moments. Uh, you've had folk uh, try to set you back, talk you down, all that stuff. You found out you had nobody to turn to but the Lord. And the Lord stepped in right on time when you were at your lowest. Well, listen, now that you've been proven, you can testify, I really am who God says I am. Somebody said, well, who are you? All I can tell you is I'm a child of the king. Who are you? I'm more than a conqueror. And I can see it now because uh, 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 if, I, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I see now I would not have made it. And so the Bible says God called Abraham. Tells him in verse 2, take now thine only son Isaac. Now you understand that this son Isaac was not Abraham's first son, uh, but it was his only son by Sarah. And so he was not his only biological son, but he was his only promised son. You remember the Lord speaks to Abraham and tells him he's going to be the father of many nations. But then much time passes and... Sarah still had not conceived. And so Sarah and Abraham, like us, they thought they would run ahead of God. Help him out. Facilitate his plan for their lives. And so Sarah, the wife, advises Abraham. She said, if you're going to have a son, uh, you better do it now with my handmaiden. My servant, Hagar. Hagar's a beautiful Egyptian young lady. Sarah says, you need to go on in with her. And have the child, and I, I imagine Abraham said, hmm, it never crossed my mind. Right. And Abraham goes ahead, 
Like the good husband he doesn't argue with his wife. Yeah. Preach, Terry. I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. And uh, they go on with that scheme, and then Ishmael is born out of those plans. But understand, Ishmael was not God's promise. The Lord speaks again in chapter 18, verses 11 and 12 of Genesis, tells Abraham again. He says, listen now, your wife Sarah, uh, she's going to have a son. And, uh, and, uh, and, and when Sarah overhears the conversation, she's on the other side of the door. Uh, the Bible says Sarah does what? She started laughing. Now, 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 why is Sarah laughing? How can I put this? She, she's laughing because she's 90 and Abraham 99. That's what I said. Talk about you going to have a son. She's 90. He's 99. And so she's laughing because the Lord said, you're going to get pregnant. And she knows that as far as making babies go, at that age, uh, how can I put it? Well, I'm at Cornerstone. Listen, uh, she knows at that age, as far as making babies go, her get up and go has already got up and gone. That's best I can put that. But listen, verse 14, chapter 18, Oh, there's a question there. Y'all know the question? Let me give it to you. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Oh, bless his name. And at the appointed time, I told you the Lord works by appointment. He always has plans for the believers set in place. It says, at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. Yeah. Isn't that just like the Lord? Yes. Uh, so often it looks like he waits for us to run out of every other possible solution. Yes, Lord. Yeah, yeah. He waits for every opportunity for uh, our assistance to be uh, depleted. And then he shows up and, and does what only he could do in the first place. Back to this one. So Sarah conceives, gives birth to Isaac, and... Uh, of Abraham and uh, uh, Abraham has the son that he loves. He cherishes him. Ishmael, who was born uh, out of the scheme, has gone. But Isaac, who was born out of the promise and plan uh, in Abraham's old age, is still with them. But then something else strange happens in the text. God calls Abraham uh, to go up a mountain to sacrifice the boy. The record is, Abraham hears God tell him in verse 3, Get thy son Isaac, whom thou lovest, get thee into the land of Moriah. Offer him there for a burnt offering. Now this really is a test for Abraham because it becomes evident that, listen, it's one thing to claim to trust in God when you're wanting and waiting for him to give you what you longingly desire for. But then it's another thing to trust and obey God after you got what you wanted. And now you're feeling you might lose what you had. And so sometimes if you're not careful, you, you can get more carried away with the gift that you neglect the giver that gave it to you. And the text is demonstrating uh, that there may be some stuff uh, you have to be willing to give up 
And until you give it up, you can't really get it back. But whatever God requires from you, you got to understand when he gives it back, he'll always give it back more to you than what you gave up in the first place. That's right. So he says, take wood. Abraham says, take wood, take fire, take knife. And um, tells his son, get things ready. And the Lord tells him, now when you get to the top of the mountain, sacrifice your son. And this record suggests that he hears God tell him to do all this stuff with no evidence as to how he's going to get through this or get out of it. But Abraham understands that God's promises always come with God's provision, even when you can't see it on the way. That's a question for all of us this morning. Can you still trust God even when you cannot trace God? Then look at the faith of Abraham. Abraham has had to have faith to believe God's promises are always accompanied with his provisions. God had already promised in Genesis 21, 12, in Isaac shall thy seed be blessed. So what happens as I rush on to the close when they get three days into the journey on their way to Moriah, halfway up the mountain, Abraham tells the two servants traveling with him and Isaac in verse five, listen, he tells the servants, y'all wait here. Because we're coming back. Mm, yes, 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 yes. Okay. Three days into the journey, on the way up to Mount Moriah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Halfway up the mountain, on the way to sacrifice his son. Abraham tells the servants traveling with him and Isaac, verse 5, he says, listen, you all wait here. Uh, because we're coming back. back. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Three days on the journey. Yes. Traveling up the mountain mm-hmm. to sacrifice his promised son. But he tells the servants traveling with him, y'all wait here. Yes. Because we're coming back. Yes, we're. You, not, you must not know what, what we're means. Yes. We're is plural possessive pronoun. In other words, I don't know how God's going to work it out. But he's saying, I just believe we're going to come back somehow. Now, now that ought to really be a a pause to praise right there. Because God did not tell him how his son was going to come out of it. Mm -hmm. But Abraham believed God will never take you to what he won't bring you through. I wish I had somebody in here who believed that God led you to it. God can get you out of it. Can I get a witness in this place? I don't care how bad your situation gets. The old songwriter said the the road may get rough and the going might get mighty tough. The hills may get hard to climb. But I started out a long time ago and there is no doubt in my mind since I decided to make Jesus my choice. I said that's the reason to give him praise right there. Because listen, when you have faith in God, despite trying circumstances, you can stand tall. Even against a tough assignment, anyhow, you can say like the James, the late James Cleveland, I don't feel no way tired. Come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me the road would be easy, but I just don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. And so Abraham tells the servants, y'all wait here. We're going up to worship. We'll be back after we worship. I like that because whenever you go to worship, uh, you all, you ought always go with a great sense of expectation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I told you before, whenever I'm having a rough week, 
I don't ask God for a whole lot of stuff. Sometimes I just ask him, Lord, help me make it till Sunday morning. Yes. If I can make it to Sunday morning and press my way to Cornerstone, yes. when I come in the atmosphere, I'm expecting God to move in this place. Yes. I was preaching in Houston, Texas a week before last, Holman Street Baptist Church, Dr. Manson Johnson, Reverend, you know Johnson, and, and uh, after I preached, a rushing, and uh, someone ran up to me and said, listen, where's your church? I told him where Cornerstone was. He said, I got, a, I got relatives that live there, uh, and that they would love you. They've got to come to your church. I said, we'll be glad to have them. They said, uh, oh, that's I can't wait to tell them. They're going to love you. They really, you, you are really what they need. They said, uh, listen, uh, uh, you wouldn't happen to have a healing service, would you? I said, uh, healing service? I said, as a matter of fact, we do. She said, oh, my God. She said, that's what they really need. She said, well, well when, when, when is your healing service at Cornerstone? I said, we have worship every Sunday morning. 9 a.m., Wednesday at noon, Wednesday at 7 p.m. She said, oh, okay. You don't understand what I'm asking. She said, do, do, do you have a deliverance service? I said, oh, that's what you mean. I said, you won't believe it. I said, we got that too. She said, well, that's what I'm talking about. She said, now, where's your deliverance service? I said, we have worship every Sunday morning, 9 a.m., hour power every Wednesday at noon, word on Wednesday, Wednesday at 7 p.m. She said, do you not understand what I'm saying? She said, well, do you have a setting free service? I said, oh, you should have said that at first. I said, you're not going to believe this. I said, we actually have a setting free. She said, that's what I've been trying to tell you. She said, now, when is your setting free service? I said every Sunday morning we have worship at 9 a.m. Every Wednesday at noon, every Wednesday evening, except what you're trying to say, preacher. Anytime you come into the house of God, you all come in here expecting to be healed, delivered, and set free. Can I get a witness in this place? Abraham said, y'all wait here because we're headed to worship. Listen, when you really get serious about worship, you learn how to leave some stuff behind you so nothing will interfere or take away from your worship in the house of God. Yeah. But now listen, they say that nothing far too far from the tree. But you have to admit Isaac's a little different from his father Abraham because Isaac's sight and intuition says, look like there's something wrong with this picture. Let me check my text messages. I must have missed something here because verse 6 says Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering of Isaac and put it on Isaac for him to carry. Yeah. And I'm talking to somebody in here. You've been carrying some stuff on you. You allowed other folks to put all that stuff on you. And, and it looked like it's going to kill you. Uh, you've been carrying some unneeded stress. Somebody else displaced aggression. But I discovered God might let you carry it, but he ain't going to let you kill you. Yeah. Matter of fact, that's why some folk look at you strange now, and it's funny because they don't even have a clue how close you were to losing everything. Yeah. But here you are up in here at 9 a.m. at a church called Cornerstone after Jesus. being on the brink of losing your... You got the nerve coming here and lift up holy hands, talking about this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad. That's why your enemies can't figure you out. They don't know how you made it, and they don't even know half your story. Right. Matter of fact, somebody ought to give you an Oscar award just for looking like you keeping it together, just for encouraging yourself in God. 
know it's heavy on somebody. I don't know who this message is for. I'm trying to quit. Uh, but um, uh, but you got to hang on in there. That's all I can tell you. Hang on in there. I got some good news. You're getting ready to get some relief. Uh, you, uh, the weight is getting ready to be lifted off your spirit. Am I preaching to anybody in here? I don't know who this is for. Uh, God is getting ready to do something new in your life. Isaac said, I'm carrying all this wood. I see the knife. I see the fire, but I must have missed the text. The man, where's the sacrifice? And you know what Abraham told him, don't you? He said, son, the Lord will provide. Yeah, yeah, the son will provide. Uh, and, and, and so if Abraham's the father of faith, uh, I guess Isaac must be the son of faith. Because the father tells the son to lie down on the altar, and the son does it when he could have walked away. The father could not have held them down because the father's old and the son is young. But how many of you know that when you're living by faith, hope a lot of times you might have a difficult assignment, but I found out God will enable you to lie down in confidence in the house, even when others would have given up and run away. David said, because the Lord is my shepherd, I'm able to lie down even when others are pacing the floor. So Isaac goes ahead, he lies down on the altar simply because the father says so. And he must know that whenever you're facing cutting circumstances in your life, you can always lie down and rest on the promises of your father. So look at Abraham here, thinking about all the promises that came with the boy, getting choked up in his throat, eyes beginning to swell with tears as he reaches down to grab the base of the knife from his side he lifts it above his son to take his life, begins to thrust it downward in order to pierce the flesh of his own son. But then, yeah. looks like in the nick of time, yes. angel yes. of God shows up, yes. says, Abraham, Abraham, yes. steady your hand, preach courage, yes. do no harm to the lad. Yes. Wonder if there's anybody in here, you've been through some cutting stuff, enemy mm. thought he had you. But God stepped in in the nick of time and made the enemy stay his hand. When the angel of the Lord tells Abraham, stay your hand. Verse 13 says, Abraham looked up. While the knife is still in his hand, he looks up toward heaven. And the Bible says, behold, a ram was caught in the thicket behind him. The Bible says he looked up, but the ram is behind him. Now listen, when you look up, you can look left and right, but you can't look behind you. And whenever you're operating on faith, remember now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, but it's the stuff you can't see behind you. And so when you're walking by faith, your deliverance and breakthrough is not going to come through your observation. It's going to come through God's revelation. And so while Abraham is looking up toward heaven above him, he gets a vision of what's already caught behind him. And I preach it like I feel it. I guess that's why David said, I'm going to look up to the hills. Which cometh my help, all my help. Every bit of it comes from the Lord. And so if you feel like you're on your back, stuff hanging over you, I just came to tell you, don't give up. If you're on your back, it means you're in a good position to keep looking up. Now, now, now how did the ram get to the bush? And I'm done. Well, while Abraham was marching up one side of the mountain, God was bringing the ram up on the other side. I'm trying to tell you, it's on the other side. And listen, when you're walking by faith, you can't always see where the provision is coming from. 
because God will bring it up on the other side of your situation. It took me a while to get there, but I finally got there. Tell somebody it's coming up on the other side. Won't he do it? I said, won't he do it? Tell somebody, tell them it's coming up on the other side. It may not look like much right now, but God's bringing it up. He's bringing your breakthrough. You can't see it. It's on the other side. You just got to show up at the altar. It'll be waiting on you. Matter of fact, it's already behind you. Now listen, rams don't normally go to top of mountains. And so how did the ram get up there? God led the ram. God will do what's not normal just to bless you in your situation. Won't he do it? Won't he make a way for you? Won't God change normal circumstances? Oh my God, it's already behind you. That ought to be some reason for somebody to shout right there. I don't know who this message is for today. Whatever you're going through, I just stopped by to tell you it's already behind you. How did it get there? It came up on the other side of your situation. I stopped by to tell you there's a blessing and it's got your name on it, but it's on the other side of through. Won't he do it? Won't he make a way? Won't he sweep your situation? Is there anybody in here feel like praising him with me? God is all right, I tell you. Hey, and he's one. Keep on coming to worship. 